Welcome to a very unique episode of Teak Talks where we are going to discuss the hard stuff. Robin and I recently created our wills, and with that, we updated our business agreement to reflect how the business shares should be handled in case the worst ever happened to one of us while we own the business. At some point, it was recommended that we take out a life insurance policy on each other, and we're going to explain why and discuss how you can protect your business and create an emergency succession plan, even if you don't have a partner. With us today is our insurance broker, Matt Maniscalco. Matt helped us obtain our life insurance policies for each other. Matt is an accomplished insurance agency owner, an award-winning professional, an incredibly service-oriented philanthropist, and a published author. He's also the perfect person to join us because he unfortunately has a personal antidote to share about why this topic is so important. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teak. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. Welcome, Matt. We are so excited to have you. Can you share just a little bit about your path into the insurance field and what areas are your particular specialty? Absolutely. So thank you so much for having me today. After getting to know both of you, it's an honor to be a part of your podcast as well. To start out with, just like Jen, I'm a DeLand guy that kind of went away. Well, she's probably explored the world a lot better than me, but I went away to school and thought that there was so much outside of my little town that I wanted to experience. And I experienced some of it, but then realized that community has been a blessing to our family. And so came back here and started my life here. So I spent six years with Fifth Third, which was absolutely amazing. And then I went into kind of the evil empire of banking, which I won't go into that, but I took over our market here locally. And I thought to myself, I could be that guy. I could be that local guy that everybody leans on for their commercial lending, all of that stuff. What I was tricked into was a lot of money and a miserable, horrible, anxiety-ridden job. I was the person who had to explain to people why we were uh, closing our drive throughs and why we were trying to push them to the ATMs to make deposits. And I was the local guy, so they were supposed to accept it. It That's was tough in a downtown bank. Oh my gosh. And, and it was <laughs> the week I took over, they actually closed the drive through. So it looked like it was my my decision. And so I was, I mean, I was just torn apart. And I remember coming home and just telling Christy, like, the money's great, but I'd rather be cleaning the toilets. Like I I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And my in-laws had the agency, no real exit plan. And we'll kind of get into why there was no exit plan, but it's been a blessing. My daughter was born, which was our second child, uh, seven years ago. And during that time, the one great thing about that evil empire of banking is they give you 16 weeks of paternity leave. So I used every single moment of that to study for my insurance licensing. I knew that I never wanted to go back there. And I really took over the life, health, and annuity side. My big passion was life, health, and annuities. And that was just because I saw it personally necessary. And a couple of very good years in sales allowed me to purchase uh, stock into the agency. And then in 2019, after I had a couple shares, I sat down with the current president and talked about really a buyout plan. Back in 2012, it was very necessary 
to, well, it's always been very necessary to, to make a plan for your business. But the problem was there was never one made. Sometimes people assume because they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s, even maybe even 60s, that they're going to be here forever. 2012, the president of the agency passed away. He was 52, I believe, 50s. The agency was at its all-time high of success. So the bills were being paid. The partners were driving BMWs. Like I mean, it was like the picture of success, but there was no plan. So when that president had passed away, there was no key man policy in place. So my in-laws had to actually mortgage out the building to save the agency from being sold to a corporation. Because realistically, that family that was left had no ties to it personally. It only made sense for them to sell it. And my in-laws wanted that small business. They took they took a lot of pride in kind of keeping it local and not selling out to corporate. So my mother-in-law at the time was the vice president of the agency. And so she utilized the equity in the building and personal connections to save the agency personally. But so because explain there was no key man policy. Key man policy, what is that and what would that mean? For a business, uh, yes, please, and and honestly, it's so much more than a key man policy. It is, it is ensuring that your legacy will be there after you're long and gone. By legacy, I mean your family and your business. So many people focus on just one of the two. A key man policy can be taken out on any valuable asset to your agency. At my agency, there's one on me, and there's one on my COO. Yes, I'm the owner of the agency, but if I were to actually, and I, I'll go back to the fact that. I think it's very important for the family and the business to be on the same page. So if you have uh, that relationship and you're blessed enough for the, everybody to be on the same page, it's important to have them in the room at the same time. Because what I did was I brought Jamie in the room and Christy in the room. Christy's my wife. Jamie's my COO. And I said, what would this look like if I were to get hit by a bus tomorrow? Okay. So and, it's like very honest conversations that are yeah, very uncomfortable to have. It, it, it stinks, especially it kind of brings reality to light. You know, it's like my dad passed away at 61. And another reason why we struggled through my teens or not teens, but through uh, my twenties, because there was no life insurance in place. And my side of the family was not the insurance people. It was my wife's side. So we didn't know any of them yet. Um, my family just didn't, they weren't educated on it. So it affected me personally working. My mom was working two jobs after my dad passed away just to allow me to finish school just to allow me to, you know, still have a roof over my head at that point. But then when I saw it affect the business side, I'm like, this is the business and the family. And now you're dealing with, I have 13 employees, 13 families. So if I were to pass tomorrow, what does that look like for the agency? Well, the shares that I own, the way I have it set up is Jamie would have the ability to purchase those shares and pay Christy off so that she's comfortable. Christy doesn't want anything to do with insurance or this business. She'll have those funds in order to buy my shares out. It'll help, of course, our family. But the important part behind the business insurance side is the legacy will live on. So Jamie, who is really the brains behind my operation, I'm just the person that goes out and smiles at everybody, which they probably could have chosen somebody better for that too. She's the person who, I mean, she's my lifeline in the agency. If I were to lose her, it, it would definitely damper us very, very, very long-term. And where I'm going with that is that's why there's a policy on her as well. It's not just for the owner. The owner, it's necessary. But if you have a manager, a COO, somebody that you feel, even if it's a sales position that is just your top producer, um, you've got to think about what it's going to take to replace that person. Because they're the uh, face and they've become the brand. So when you lose a part of that brand identity, you lose value. And that's absolutely. just 
an obvious thing. I mean, it's hard to think that someone is the company, but that's why when certain businesses sell, they might not be as successful because the president or the CEO may change. And so that brand identity isn't any longer tied to that company. So I could see how your mom purchasing the business, she's not purchasing the business at the value that it was when the previous owner was there because everything that people in the community, this is, we're talking about a brick and mortar, very established business in the community that people think of as a legacy business. Now the perception of that business has slightly changed because the person that they probably bought from has changed and sales is a major, major driver of brand identity. It is. And it also affects you personally because, I mean, she had, they had to go through a court battle. And oh, so that's you had a gross feeling in that. Then there's another family involved that, of course, has their own take on the situation, which I don't think that anybody was necessarily right or wrong. They just both had their own views on what they wanted. And so because that wasn't in writing before time, you now have half the town that are siding with, let's say, that family, half the town that are siding with this family. And then you've now lost a lot of credibility in town. And so that was a struggle, I think, too. But it's really just about protecting what you've built. And so, you know, for example, when I'm dealing with business owners like yourself, it's like, what have you put in place already that you see lasting for the next 30 years? It's really, you've got to look at what needs to be replaced To be honest with you, I think that's probably one of the reasons why my book was so successful because, well, besides naming it something that I feel like people would Google anyway, it's my life story, but it talks about the mistakes that we've made and how we overcame them. For example, it talks about me being 21, being away at Florida State, coming home for the weekend, thinking life was just grand, and then waking up at, you know, going to bed on a Sunday night saying goodnight to my parents and waking up at 7 a.m. to my dad dying in my arms and life changing completely. We've said it before and we'll say it again. You should know exactly where your money is coming from and going to in your business. That's why we love Novo, the ultimate online banking system perfect for travel advisors on the go. With Novo, managing your finances has never been easier. Say goodbye to traditional banking hassles and embrace the power of online banking tailored to your unique needs. You can easily open a bank account without the need for lengthy paperwork or complicated processes. It's quick, convenient, and hassle-free. Nova also offers a suite of powerful financial tools designed to seamlessly manage transactions, track expenses, and categorize your finances all in one intuitive platform. Gain full control of your finances with Nova's real-time insights and powerful analytics so that you can understand your cash flow, identify trends, and make informed decisions to grow your travel agency. And because finances can get, well, complicated, we especially love Novo for their exceptional customer service and personalized guidance every step of the way. Let's be real for a second. Running a business is complicated enough. Your banking solutions should be simple and help you simplify. Spend less time managing your finances and more time running your business with Novo. It wouldn't have had to change that drastically if there was a plan in place. So that's personal side. And then the business side, of course, just as important. You definitely touched on this. And I want to give some backstory as to why Robin and I got a policy is because exactly what you said. Here's the thing from a personal perspective. If something were to happen to one of us, really JR or Hunter, they've supported us while we built this business. And there are a lot of spouses or partners in this industry that have seen their 
you know, significant other sacrifice, potentially go into debt and to build something up. And then overnight, if something happens, that partner then loses not only their significant other, but they also lose the potential income of that business and the security and the, you know, second income that was being provided or potentially the the primary income. So it was important to us that if something were to happen to me, JR was able to get a payout. Now, to your point, you just said this about, about your wife, that Christy has no interest in insurance. And this was an important nuance that we wrote into the agreement. He doesn't have the option to become COO. Like it's not an option that he becomes an operational piece of the business. He has the option to sell the shares to Robin so that she can then continue on in the business. So I think that a lot of people think like, oh, well, what does that mean for a spouse? Are they going to start working for the business? Absolutely not. It's to ensure that my partner or Robin's partner is financially covered from what is what has been earned to a reasonable extent. And we didn't go crazy with the policy. It was a, a very reasonable policy. So we'll get into that and we'll dig a little bit deeper. I do want to say that many people listening to this podcast are responsible for hundreds of thousands of dollars, often millions in sales of travel that's happening in the future. So people are purchasing something that's happening in the future and they it's not a tangible good. You know, it's like the promise of something in the future. And there are a lot of terms and conditions kind of locking that money up that they may not be able to get a refund. This is obviously dependent on business insurance and things like that. But it is our responsibility as business owners, as travel advisors to safeguard the investments. We think of travel as investments with emergency planning that not only protects our families, but also our clients in that regard. So can you share a little bit on how one would start outside of insurance, really just kind of operational level, how someone would start to create an emergency plan for the business? And then we can tack on insurance into that. Yeah, for sure. So not everybody is going to want to get a lawyer involved, but I can tell you that um, finding a good corporate attorney was important for me. The past owners had one and he is a great guy. And in fact, extremely respected in the community, but I wanted somebody that I could text dumb questions to. If I had an issue coming up, I can actually just call and say, Hey, can I do this? That's the way I've hired my corporate attorney. That's the way I've hired my accountant. Because when you're just starting in business, and although the agency's been there for 58 years, you know I've only been there for seven. So that first year or two of taking over, it's like they don't teach this stuff in school. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a business major; they don't teach this stuff in school. And so the business plan is more important than ever. And so I actually hired a corporate attorney. He went over really everything that we needed in order to get started. But the contract is more important than ever when it comes to, and I don't know if this deals with all corporations, but for us, we are a C-Corp. So the articles of incorporation had to be updated specifically based on the partners and the shares. So for example, when I took over, all I knew was send the info to SunBiz and I'm now 100% owner, but the documents of our book showed that there were still two partners because those were never documented, the sales of the shares. So there's just so much detail that 
a business owner can't necessarily keep track of the, on their own. And there's always something that kind of comes out of, out of the blue, but making sure that you have a business plan in place for the future as well, because if your partner were to pass, you want to make sure that any insight that they had is not lost. You want to make sure that your shares are documented. We were told to start having quarterly corporate meetings, but it's really a team effort because even on the accountant side, if you don't have a good accountant, you're never going to get to that next stage in business. And that's my personal opinion. But yeah, I say that because I hired you up for an accountant before I'm like, hey, who are you using? <laughs> I started with the accountant in town that everybody uses because they're advertising more than anybody else. Good people, probably amazing for many companies. But once again, I needed somebody that I could text and say, hey, can I do this? Can I do that? And if you don't have the right people in your corner, I always say, the, you know, the rich get richer. Like that's why corporate America or the big shots in America always continue to, you know, make more money because they know the secrets. They have the resources mm -hmm. and they have made the plans to, to us. And this is something that Robin and I sh for sure should work on, which Robin is amazing at this, but she has created this entire library of SOPs. And so unfortunately, the industry this past year lost someone that was really prevalent and so knowledgeable and in the public eye. And it just shed light to the industry on, okay, what happens to that business? There were a lot of people that didn't know what was going to happen with his community. And the trainings, I will say, I have to applaud everyone that stepped up and handled that so well. But to me, I'm like, what did the back end of that look like? Did he have a bank of SOPs? Did he have a list of emergency passwords, which we do? Did he have a list of all contacts re relevant to the business? Because I am legally responsible for my brother's assets if anything happens. And he has given me like a Google document, a cheat sheet for his life. And to me, I'm like, that's step one, right? Like go and create a master document by department of everything that touches your business and then build out processes that go with it. Because to your point, Matt, like if something happened to Jamie, you'd be like, how do I log into this account? Potentially? Yeah. Yeah. You know? So giving anyone, even if it's your VA, because a, a lot of the listeners, they are a solopreneur and they might have maybe a spouse that's trying to take over and handle the affairs of the business or they have an assistant. So can you speak to like, do you have operational things in place like that, like processes and the bare bones initial information for someone to access? What does that look like from an organizational? For sure. So I can tell you that I am, I like to say I'm the visionary and Jamie puts it all into place realistically, when it comes to planning, the best thing that I ever did for Paige was hire a COO because she knows how to put it into play. And I have amazing ideas that I couldn't do without her. I say that because I'm out in the community every day, Rotary Chamber, this and that. Jamie is the detail person. She's the person who made those SOPs. We are a 58-year-old agency that until five years ago didn't have any type of procedures in writing. There was nothing to continue the legacy. And so, you know, a couple of different avenues that we've taken is one is just the fact of just documenting the basics. But then on top of it, we've we've done a lot and you guys do the same thing in your industry, but we travel a lot for uh, like independent agency owners conferences and we learn stuff from other, you know, other areas of the country. 
And a lot of agencies are using VAs now. A lot of agencies are using technology that will save these processes for you and let you document it that we didn't have access to before. If you are a visionary mind, my biggest suggestion to you as a business owner is to find an integrator, (laughs) find somebody who can put it into play. I know I stole that from a book I read at some point over the last couple of years, but like the visionary and the integrator, if you are missing one, in my opinion, you're going to be missing a huge piece of business. I 100% agree with that. And like, even me and Jen, people are like, Robin's probably the integrator. I would say absolutely not because like, it's harder for me to put things into place. So I would even argue that we probably need more of an integrator on our team for a future hire, because you're right. Like I can have big ideas. Jen has big ideas, like, but you need somebody who's actually going to be like, okay, well, that's a great idea to have this SOP library and this like basically owner's manual of your business. I don't have the time to do it. And also, I don't know what that even looks like. It's too overwhelming to start. So I love that you mentioned that. I also loved earlier how you were like, they don't teach enough of this in business school. I feel very dumb when it comes to insurance, when it comes to HR. That's not my strong suit. This conversation is not my strong suit. Jen was the one who was like, we need this in place. And I was like, do, 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 fine. Like, (laughs) tell me what to do and I'll do it. And now with a child on the way and all of that, the wills being talked about with my husband, like what's that look like with our family? Like all of these things are the fragility of life is a little bit more apparent to us. So I'm glad that we're having this discussion. But also if you are a business owner and you're like, I I don't have anything in place. I wouldn't, I have never even thought about this. You're not alone. I just feel like there's some grace that needs to be had because this isn't taught anywhere. There is then again, unless you're wealthy and you have a financial planner, you probably don't ever have the conversation where it's like, hey, what's, what is the plan if Jen dies? What's the plan if you die? Like, that is a weird conversation that would have never taken place if Jen wasn't like, hey, I'm about to give birth and I just made my will. So let's talk about like, what happens if the worst case scenario happens? Because that does happen. Like the worst case scenario is, is very much a scenario. My question for you is at what point, because a lot of times, Jen and I didn't start this business and be like, we had the intentions of being like, you know, we want a big company, like we want all these things. But like, you almost kind of fall into small businesses, particularly travel. You're like, I just like traveling. So I started booking travel. And now I've grown and I have this huge book of business and all these clients and all these employees or ICs. Like, at what point in time do you think it's super important for somebody to sit down and like go and start on their plan? Like, at what point in business is it like, you got to start now. So my opinion is probably a lot different than what's actually happening. But I would say from day one, it needs to be a part of your initial plan when you're developing the business plan, because from day one, you're going to need that guidance. Our agency, like I keep saying 58 years, we were in the wrong type of corporation. Um, because when it was originally started, it was there were 100 plus shares and multiple owners. And they were looking at it more as like a, a big company that could evolve. So my suggestion is get that team together from the start, have your accountant, have your, some people can't afford the business attorney to begin with. That's okay. A lot of those documents you can still get online, but the accountant's been the biggest win. I think teaching us everything from putting the money away. I remember our first year that we profited significantly that I took over. I remember specifically calling the old owner and saying, uh, this is our tax bill. How the hell do you pay this? And she's I'm like, asking that. So, <laughs> yeah. you know? And the answer I got was, 
well, I don't know. We were just trying to break even in the past. And I was like, holy crap. And and that just shows everybody has their own, of course, plan, but I don't want to just break even. I want to be comfortable. I want to make sure that everybody gets paid and I want to make sure that we're living for the next 30 years with, you know, with this branding and that it's in a good place for somebody else to save my family from, you know, not having a retirement. So from the beginning and then yearly, get it looked at, even if it's just a consultation that you're having to have these conversations because things change. Both of you are shining examples of it. Your families are growing. So, you know, was that originally in your documents or your children's name in those documents? Did your accountant take into account that your spouse had a different job before or this and that? There's so much that can be looked at on the business side, honestly, that can save you on the personal side. So you mentioned something about making sure that you're keeping up to date every year on your accountant information. But to me, it's also a major point to make sure that your life insurance policy, if you have one that impacts your business, is also updated for the valuation of the company every year, because that was an important component in deciding how much life insurance Robin and I needed on each other in order for it to be a fair buyout of the shares in case of an emergency. So I have a lot of questions and I've got a a notebook going right here. But before we go to my next question is roughly how do you evaluate that? And I, I think that's a much heavier conversation. But what does that look like when you're starting that conversation with someone that's just getting a new policy and they're like, I've never had a valuation on my company. I don't want to spend two grand to have it done at a minimum. What does this look like and how much coverage feels appropriate? Have you ever had an unhappy client and then immediately checked to make sure that your terms and conditions had you covered? If not, props to you, but that's not the case for everyone. If you're like us and you want to make sure that your client can't hold you financially accountable for any loss due to last minute cancellation, because of bad weather, a missed flight, a positive COVID test, or any other situation, we know they happen, then you'll be happy to know that the legal page has your back. The Legal Page is an online template shop run by a real lawyer, Paige Griffiths. She took the time to work with us and get to know the ins and outs of the travel business so that she could make an incredibly robust terms and conditions template. If you're ready to get legally legit, start with The Legal Page. Our link to the travel industry specific agreements can be found in the show notes. So I think every family is going to be different, of course, but uh, what we look at is the expenses that need to be replaced. And then some of it is not just monetary. Some of it is, you know, like reputational, but for me, it's, it, it is easier because I can tell you that all of the independent agents, at least in our area are, have been selling to corporations. So I get free valuations like every three months because somebody's always like, Hey, we can give you more than somebody else. And then I make believe that I'm interested in selling and I get my free evaluation. Um, so that's one way to look at it. Okay. So, and that could just be an industry, uh, industry thing. I think that might be industry thing. Uh, that's not how my valuation said, worked. <laughs> when you just said that $2,000, I was like, holy crap, people pay for that. Um, so I, I know it's huge and important, but I was kind of spoiled with the fact that those come to the insurance industry quite often because there's so many big brokers that are wanting to take over us independence. The way we did it was based on the valuation of our agency broken down by 
it's really 10 shares now, but the value of the agency broken down by shares. And so because I'm 100% now, that valuation is always based on your debt. So, you know, the mortgage on the building, any of those things, any of the past uh, partners that we're still paying off dividends to, any of that stuff comes into play. I would tell people that if they're just starting a business and there's a partner in play that you have to look at. Actually, what I've added to my agency this year is I've allowed life policies to be split. So for like example, if Jamie were to pass, her money would go to the agency to replace, but I took a portion of that. And this is a huge note for business owners that don't want to or want to even cushion their personal life insurance policies. I've allowed for the spouse to get a percentage of the business policy. It shows kind of the support too of like you said, the spouses are supporting you through all these obstacles, right? So they hear you go home at night and you're typically not going home at night talking about what a shining career you have. You're going home talking about this customer pissed me off or this employee (laughs) didn't show up. The spouse, all they hear is, and of course they know you appreciate it or whatever, but all they hear is the negativity. So they're dealing with all of that at home. I want to show that we appreciate that that we understand that the families are part of the business. So we allowed a certain percentage to be distributed to the family as well. But I would say that it really bases on the actual industry. It bases on what you're supposed to be paying yourself per year, what your expectations are paying yourself each year. Um, And then even the type of policy, we looked at everything from term to whole life. Everybody's going to have a different need. But one of the things I like to look at is looking at debt and just really looking at what needs to be paid off in order to keep this thriving? And I don't mean just keep it open. I mean, keep it the way it is today. And so to just throw out a number, it's kind of impossible to say where to start. Okay. I think when we had the conversation, the way you explained it to me was, okay, how much are you guys making a year? And maybe this is just me like making up a number and I'm totally failing on this memory because I was very like postpartum when we had this conversation. (laughs) So this could be a blur, but I feel like it was based off of, first of all, net income of the business, like what are full revenue, but it was also essentially two and a half years of our personal income because it was like, okay, this is what, I mean, realistically, it's probably two and a half years before the business recovers from something like that happening anyway. So two and a half years of our personal income was what our spouse would get for them to get on their feet and things like that. So I feel like there were some numbers that we discussed and that's ultimately where we landed. Now we are a debt-free business and we strive to stay that way. I mean, we don't have a brick and mortar. We don't have a lot of assets. So it it's easier to maintain that. However, there are a lot of travel advisors that do go into debt to do research opportunities like flying across the world to visit a place they've never done. And it's very easy to get into debt when those purchases are very big and they're not offered a payment plan on a quarterly basis. You know, flights are a one-shot kind of thing. So my question is, do you feel like, and this is a little bit leading the witness here, but like, do what do you feel like should be done even if someone does have debt or their valuation is nothing? Like, right, maybe they they don't have a valuation or their valuation is negative. Let's talk to them for a second on what still needs to be done. Because to me, the debt still has to be covered by someone. And so that still needs to be directed somewhere. And that conversation really needs to be had by your spouse, your business partner, 
whatever it is, because they're ultimately going to be responsible. So we've been talking about like concepts of like when you're in the black and where that money goes, but what if you're in the red and that person is actually going to have to handle situations that make the situation worse? Yeah. I think that when you were talking about the two and a half years, that's really what I, what I talk to people about on the personal side. I think that if you're taking out a regular policy, you need to look at, you know, the income that would be missed. And then I always add and or what it would take to pay off your mortgage, just because that's a huge worry for a lot of single parents, a lot of widow, widowers. But on the business side, even the people who are taking a loss. Now you've got to look at it as a, as a business move. So if you're struggling right now, or maybe you're just building your business and you have to, and nobody ever wants to have to utilize this, but if, and you have to utilize that policy, you have an opportunity then to also make it stronger than it was. And, and it's kind of hard to say because you don't ever want, like the person's life is not less valuable than the cash. But you want to put yourself in a position that if you're just starting and you've put your blood, sweat and tears into this, not only are you going to want to replace your partner or whatever it is that you're the asset that you're insuring, but you're also going to want to make sure that you're putting yourself in a place where you can over market, you can pay off any of the debt that's come from the beginning. You're almost covering the potential that that person was going to bring to the business because you've 100%. probably gone into debt for business research or materials or what have you. And then you need to, with that insurance plan, recover what that person would have been bringing to the business had they been able to put in the effort that those future years would bring. Absolutely. So to tie the personal to the business, the way I said two and a half years of that, the way I would look at it, if it was, and I'm not necessarily talking about partners, but if, if let's say it's a, my most successful agent and they bring in $200,000 worth of revenue, like not just sales, but revenue that's generated to the agency every year. If I have a policy on them, I would want two and a half years of theirs because it's going to take time for somebody to build that book up again. Now we have something in place that are obviously non-competes, but I can tell you that our agency took a hit 10, 15 years ago from an agent who left with, and this is not a passing, so it's a different situation, but they had a million dollar book of business. There was no plan in place. So when we talk about accountants, when we talk about corporate attorneys, it all goes together. Somebody should have told somebody to have a non-compete. And that person brought their million dollar book of business to a bigger corporation in Orlando that overpaid for it because they had it. And our agency took a hit like that. And it was literally an overnight thing. And that person's still in the industry thriving in Orlando. And I see them at conferences and stuff. I didn't personally know them. It was well before I was in the industry. That type of stuff can hit you hard. So even if it's a salesperson that you you highly respect or is, is big in the community or any of that stuff, it's very important to look at that two and a half years because two and a half years is a minimum. I can tell you, although we've made it up tenfold in other areas, that book of business was a huge hit for us. So planning, planning, planning. I mean, it's just, it's so important. And that's why podcasts like this are something that need to go, they need to go freaking viral to all business owners. <laughs> yeah, Matt. Put it, it out viral. there in the world. Yeah, for real. I just, I, it's just something that people need to know. And it's not something that you're going to talk about over coffee when you're, you know, having a business meeting. It's not something you're going to talk about at the bar when you're having a glass of wine. It's something that you need to talk about with somebody soon. 
Well, it's not one of those like sexy topics where it's like grow your email list with this one trick. It's like prepare for the worst with this doomsday yeah. prep. But yeah, it's, it's like you said, like I mean, to be to one person, and I've I've never I always think of this as death, but like you're right, like one person leaving with like a huge book of business and then tanking, it's just crazy. And I don't uh, think people think about it enough. So I don't know if, if that works in your industry the same way where people build their books, but like, you know it takes a couple of years to build up a significant book where the residuals are there and everything in insurance. And if that person leaves, I can tell you probably on the commercial side, it took us five, six, seven years to get that back. And then we talk, I know my specialty is insurance, but when it comes to the planning side, another thing I would tell you is looking at the benefits of a trust. That's something that we just did as well. I was able to move the building into a trust and ultimately pay rent from page to our our trust. Um, that's allowed for a lot of different tax opportunities that allows for us to rent out portions of the building to other companies. Uh, we have a, a law firm that's in there with us now, which honestly has been nothing but beneficial because they're retirement planning lawyers. Um, so it fits very, very well. Go next door. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you and need an affiliate code, Matt. You need and forth, to yeah. um, And so it's, it's amazing. So being able to tie that all together, it's once again, it's, it's those things you don't learn in school. It's those things that people aren't going to just tell you about out, out at the bar or wherever you may be. I keep saying bar. It sounds like I have a problem, but uh, <laughs> I, I drink coffee too. Uh, and so, but bar, it's just, you know, it's, it's just not something you're going to hear out outside. And, and that is once again, why the rich get richer, because they grow up with these assets to talk to. They grow up with financial advisors. They grow up with corporate attorneys. That's not the stuff that you know, they tell you when you're starting, uh, whether you're starting a one man business or you're starting a corporation, it's just not something they tell you. Agreed. Before we close out, we want to make sure that everyone at the very least has a created like an emergency document that like plan that we've talked about. So can you just walk us through your recommendations? Like what would you have to include in that document? Like I'm thinking like section headers, like walk us through what that document should look like for someone. So who would have access to this? Would it be your spouses and your partners or the whole team or what are your... You tell us. So okay. I think so- I think like if there needs to be two documents, you know, like if there needs to be the life part versus the business part, like walk us through your best practice of like if you solely owned the business by yourself too. Okay. So I think that there's a couple of different ways to look at it. One is is the small stuff like you have to have a document and whether it's in SharePoint or, or it's a physical document, we have both, but with the passwords, the passwords to everything, then everything has to be documented in your corporate minutes. That's my big learning curve, I think over the last couple of years, everything has to be documented from the ownership percentage to the plan of action. If you were to sell, pass any of that, the document has to have everything from your intentions in the future to exactly where your agency stands today. So the valuation has to be doc, or it doesn't have to be. My suggestion is it should be documented. The valuation, the most recent valuation, should be documented in your corporate minutes, talking about you know between one partner to the other, both agreeing that that was where it was stated on this date. That way, if it was talked about in the agenda, nobody can the other partner that's left can't say, "Oh no, but it's actually a million dollars, not six hundred thousand or whatever." And then my big win was really just bringing in 
family and business together and making sure that after I pass, there's no drama because you don't want people to suffer twice. If, if Christy had to deal with managing our children and our household by herself, the last thing she's going to want to do is try to figure out what the hell's going to happen at the insurance agency. The corporate attorney and the accountant are the two biggest pieces of advice I can give somebody from the very beginning. And then making sure that you have a plan in place and that plan has to involve not only updated corporate books, but a life plan that will make sure that your family and your company live on, live your legacy out and don't cause people more stress than they need to be. I think it's also about being honest with where the business is at. You touched on like you need to document where the business is at. And a lot of people in the industry don't want to look at the numbers and peel back the curtain because money's funny. Robin and I are always preaching like you should know, you know, what you want to make this year. You should know how to get there. You should know how many trips you need to book in order to get to that. You need to know how many fees you need to bring in to hit your goals. And all of those things are very, uh, I just feel, I would say vulnerable to do once you look at your expenses and you really do have to get granular with it. So everything is hand in hand is what I'm hearing is like money is hand in hand with liability, which is, it feels obvious to say that, but it's true. And your success for your family is potentially contingent on you knowing where your business is at, which when we put it that way, when you start to think of like, I'm potentially exposing my family by not doing these things, then I think the conversation changes yes. a little bit. I feel like I'm in insurance school. That's 100% what they want you to really express to people because the conversations are awkward. The conversations sometimes just don't happen. But if you put it on the family and you show, you know, you gotta, you've got to, you've got to, kind of hit their heart in order to, to make it happen. Because, you know, a lot of business owners, especially they don't think selfishly, they think about their team, they think about their family. And so when you express, this isn't affecting you, this is affecting your family, that kind of puts it into play like, holy crap. Yeah. What happens if I do die? What, you know, what do I do? What do my, what does my family do? So um, that kind of just brings it to life. The last thing I want to say on that is that document to me should also define who your book of business should go to. And you should have a conversation with that person beforehand because someone is going to have to take responsibility for those trips or recouping those costs or something. Like there's going to need to be action items that go with those clients that are potentially traveling a year from now. So finding, we always call it backup buddies for when you go out of office, but potentially finding a backup buddy for your business, I think is a really good action item for this too. And like, that's going to come from good documentation of where your client experience is at as well. So your CRM should have all of the notes. Like it shouldn't be like someone's piecing together DaVinci code in order to see where each you know client is at. And when you think of it as yourself being responsible for it, it doesn't feel important. You can keep it in spiral bound notebooks scattered all over the place, whatever. But when you think of like the worst case scenario, someone should be able to log into your CRM and pick up a trip and go if they know the industry. And so I just want to reiterate that point that we've talked a lot about the personal side, but there's a really, really important business side that should be covered to me in those documents for the sake of your clients as well. And like getting your systems in order. I mean, we are a like a systems-based, like we help travel advisors with their systems. And like that's exactly why. Like I want to say everything that Jen just said, like highlight, bold and red, underlined, like 
if you're, you know, I'm keeping, yeah, this notebook over here full of client notes, like that doesn't help anybody in the long run. Like, I mean, you can have a notebook, of course, with ideas and stuff, but I mean, I think that goes back and all of this plays like the having the contracts in place, having your systems in place, having like a set time to look at your company again and reevaluate and like all these, all these things that people are like, well, I'm just too busy doing in my business. I don't have time to organize and to find a lawyer and to talk to an accountant and like to look at my, you know, contracts over. And it's like, well, then you need to make time because things happen. And I just think that's such a a valuable point. And as we like kind of march towards like the end of the year, beginning of a new year soon, it's, it's such a good time to actually take the time to pause and think about those things or talk to somebody or any of that. And maybe even have it in your client terms and conditions. Like, should I no longer be able to service this sale? An appropriate person in the industry will be taking over your book of business. Like, so it's actually in your terms and conditions. That's a total side note, but I feel like that could be a really powerful thing to speak to your lawyer about adding to your client experience terms and conditions because it could protect the turnover for that person. They're going to be doing all of the work. And Matt, I don't know if you know this, travel advisors don't get paid until someone travels for their commission. So they have to travel. And if that fee has been paid to the original advisor and that advisor passes and those assets are no longer there, essentially then this travel advisor would be working for the commission on the end. So it needs to retain the trip in order for that work to be worth it for them. These are just things that I think are really, you don't think about it, but it's really hard to think about. All right. So we'll wrap up. Thank you so much for joining us today, Matt. This, we know, isn't the most fun topic, but it is incredibly important. And thank you so much for being willing to have the tough conversation with us. If you are looking for more insight on this topic, please feel free to reach out to Matt. If you're looking for that life insurance policy like Robin and I put in place, Matt is the go-to guy. We will put his email address, how to purchase his book, and the link to his business in the show notes. As always, thanks to our listeners for joining another Teak Talks episode. If you guys are loving our content, we would love and appreciate your support and feedback. So head on over to Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe so that you never miss when an episode drops. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.